All right. Oh, praise God. Hey, good to see all of you guys here. It's Thursday night. Can you believe that? Thursday night. Which means only one more night. I know, boom. I agree. I agree. It's been uh, awesome to preach to you guys. Um, and you know, we talked about celebrating the wrong things last night at the end of the sermon. And I think it would be cool to celebrate some of the right things tonight as we start. And here's what I want us to make some noise for. You, you guys get pretty loud for um, scores, numbers going up on screens, you know. Um, so how much more so when the eternal destinies of individuals are changed forever, right? So, so yeah, just wait, just wait, just wait, just wait. All right, so we want to celebrate things. So what we know right now, by God's grace, is that, again, wait, wait for me. There's been some huge decisions from believers in Jesus that have made dedications of themselves to Christ already this week, which is an amazing thing. And there's been at least four, at least four individuals that we know of that have gotten saved so far this week. Let's give some praise. Okay, that was pretty good. That was pretty good. But for those of you who have made decisions for Christ, welcome to the family. Welcome to the family. Yeah. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here. That's why we pray. That's why we love Jesus. That's why we preach the Bible. It's why we do it all. And so, by God's grace, welcome to the family if you have just trusted in Jesus in recent days. Also, if you're a believer in Christ, we celebrate you. We celebrate the decisions that you are making for Christ. These are life-altering, life-changing decisions to serve Jesus with your life. And just as large as salvation decisions are those decisions of sanctification, where you grow in grace. And so... My heart's blessed uh, to be your preacher and to see God do great things for His glory and for His fame. Amen? All right, so uh, Romans 2 in your Bibles is where we're going to be tonight. So I encourage you to grab a copy of God's Word. And we're going to read Romans 2, 1 through 11, and then also 17 through 24. And I think if Jesus were here, right, and Paul were here... And they could stand on stage and talk to you directly. You might be thinking, man, Josh, I mean, that's a lot of bad news last night. And there's more coming tonight for church kids, right? Because my sermon title is Arrogant, a message for church kids. And here's, here's the deal with that. I think Jesus and Paul would tell you we don't want anybody. It would be a tragedy of the highest order. If any of you walked out, churched or unchurched, with a false sense of what the gospel is, 
So you got to get lost before you get saved. You got to know the bad news before you get the good news of Jesus, okay? That's, that's what that's about. And I think the, the Apostle Paul and, and Jesus would say, we don't want any of you, zero people in this house, to not hear the truth, the full and unvarnished truth of the good news of Christ. So that's that. Romans 2. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man, every one of you who judges. For in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself. Because you, the judge, practice the very same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls on all who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that it's God's kindness that is meant to lead you to repentance? But because of your hard and impenitent heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself on the day of wrath when God's righteous judgment will be revealed. He will render each one according to his works to those who by patience and well-doing, seek for glory and honor and immortality, he will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and fury. There will be tribulation and distress for every human being who does evil, the Jew first and also the Greek. But glory and honor and peace for everyone who does good. The Jew first and also the Greek. For God shows no partiality. Skip down with me to verse 17. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God and know his will and approve what is excellent because you are instructed from the law and if you are sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind a light to those who are in darkness, an instructor of the foolish, a teacher of children, having in the law the embodiment of knowledge and truth, you then who teach others, do you not teach yourself? You who preach against stealing, do you steal? You who say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor idols, do you rob temples? You who boast in the law and dishonor God by breaking the law. For as it is written, the name of God is being blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. Praise God for the reading and hearing of his word. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this word, Romans 2. Thank you for the Apostle Paul giving us truth in Romans 1 for unchurched kids. Now, God, we get a sermon for churched kids. God, you know every heart, you know every mind. God, we pray that the Holy Spirit would take this word as it's read and as it's heard and as we process it together. And God, may you do significantly amazing things so that you might lead people to Jesus pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, 
The theme for the week is going all in for Christ and getting a new identity. And as we look at Romans 2, the Apostle Paul continues his argument that he started in chapter 1. That all people, everyone, is under sin and born under the wrath of God. Going to hell and in need of the gospel. So this is for the church, the unchurched kids. Yep. We're rat, snap, crackle, pop. That's what we're doing. Okay, we're going to try. Try not to move, but that's hard for me as a preacher. I move a lot, as you guys know. So, um, so Paul now turns his attention in Romans 2 to his churched audience, which is why tonight's message is for church kids. So when I say the word churched, again, just like last night, I want to define my term, okay? So let's just define what I mean by churched. When I say churched, I mean affiliated or knowledgeable or involved or invested in the church. That's what I mean. Paul was addressing religious Jews or, or people with a religious Jewish background. So I'm going to say those who are affiliated, knowledgeable, involved, invested in the church. Practically, that's probably a strong number of you here tonight. Here's what I mean. You care about the church. You care about your morality. You care about your reputation. You care about using the right words. I mean, you care about keeping up good appearances outwardly. And you care about God's commandments. You care about the church traditions. You are a good boy and a good girl in a lot of ways. And I would say this. Paul is going to argue in Romans 2 that it is actually oftentimes much harder for church kids to get saved. Can I get a witness? It's a lot harder. Because there's so much culture built around you. There's so much religious experience. There's so many church services that you've been to. You've been to the really boring meetings. You know, you've been there. You've been like, man, I remember that one boring meeting at church. I had to sit through that and my parents made me and everything. It reminds me of a story when I was a kid. I grew up Baptist, so we were sitting in this little church on this pew. And I have three brothers, no sisters. And we're sitting here like this. Nah, church, boo, you know. And we're messing around, and my youngest brother and I were elbowing, and we're fighting, which is kind of a thing that we did all the time. And we're sitting, we're sitting there at the pew. The, the preacher is preaching, right? And all of a sudden, I feel that I'm elbowing my brother, and I feel this incredible, sharp, amazing pain in my right leg. To which I say, what? And I look over, and there is a pencil sticking out of my leg, <laughs> y'all. All right? I break the graphite off my leg. And I look at Jeremy, my little brother, and I'm like, I'm going to kill you. <laughs> to which my dad... He was the disciplinarian, you know. My, my mom was the Lutheran loving Jesus girl, girl, you know. My dad's like, what in the world's happening? Chairman of the deacons, da-da-da-da-da. He takes both of us out, 
by the ears. And I'm like, Dad, I didn't even do anything. I got stabbed, man. (laughs) I still have the graphite thing. Ask me to see it. I'll show it to you tomorrow. It might be against camp rules. It's a little high, but I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll do it. I'll I'll ask for special permission from, from Phil. Okay? I guess they, <laughs> one time, <laughs> one time. I'm getting a one-time exception in writing, baby, in writing, let me get that down. So anyway, like I've been there, all the boring meetings, I've been there, right? Although it did give me great satisfaction to hear my little brother get spanked in the basement of that church. Bam, bam, keep going, dad, keep going. <laughs> my leg hurts. All right, so here's here's why it's so much harder for church kids to get saved, because there's so many built-in blind spots, right? There's just so many blind spots in your vision. I mean, sometimes all you see and all you know is the church culture. My, My parents go to church, and I know other church families, and I know other church people, and all that stuff, and it's just hard. And in the midst of that, you can be lost and going to hell and not know it at times because you're just leaning into the culture that you were given. But church kids, they lean towards having a tendency towards self-righteousness and arrogance. Okay, like you just know the drill. So you're better than most of your secular friends that you know as far as outward performance goes. You have better values. You don't use all the naughty potty words that they use. You don't hang out at all the stuff that they hang out with. And ultimately, you feel a little arrogant about that. And in the middle of that, that is a dangerous place to be, according to what Paul is going to lay out in Romans 2. Remember, it was the church people who tore their clothes And they demanded that Jesus be put to death in Luke 23. It was the church folks that did that. It was the church folks that that rallied the crowds and said, crucify him, crucify him, crucify him. The pagans were asleep. They didn't care. Remember, it was the church people who persecuted Paul across Eastern Europe as he preached the gospel, and they sought to put him to death and stir up the crowds and try to get this Apostle Paul out of the picture. You know, this morning when John mentioned the rich young ruler in Matthew 19, I smiled and laughed a little bit because I already had that in my notes. John clearly cheated off me, right? Just kidding, John. You had it first. The church kid would say, along with the rich young ruler, all these commandments... I have kept from my youth. What do I still lack? In Matthew chapter 19, verse 20. A lot of you are saying the same things. I've kept all the commandments ever since I was little. What more do I lack? I mean, what more do I need to do? So if you tonight match my definition of a church kid, hear me clearly. You will not escape the wrath of God. If you do not have Christ in your soul. I don't care how many church services you've been to, how many prayer meetings you've been to, if you don't have Christ in here, you will not escape the wrath of God. 
Also, if you don't have Christ and you're a church kid, you will have the propensity to be arrogant your entire life. Paul lays out certain snowballs of sin that get moving in the life of a church kid that leads to an avalanche of destruction. You're like, you just shared that last night. I did. We're going the the same illustration again, the same metaphor tonight. Here's the deal. You're just on the other side of the mountain, right? So if if we think of this concept again, I want you to get this back in your brains of a snow-capped mountain. I think we got a picture of it here again. So again, picture yourself again on this mountain. Okay, if the unchurched kid falls off of the mountain on one side, the churched kid falls off the mountain on the other side, and bad things happen. The snowball starts small, and let's see if we can get Noah's snowball effect here. Noah, can we get that up again? Okay, Noah did a great job. He even changed the colors. This is great. Good job, Noah. So down it goes, and as it goes down, it gets bigger and bigger and bigger. And in the church kid's life, it goes just like the unchurched kid, except it's just on the other side of the mountain. And every church kid, as they go down, they think, well, this is relatively small. All right, I'm a good kid, I go to church, I do the things, I'm moral, I'm, I'm right with God. But you begin to get underneath more and more sin that looks religious, but it leads you to the same place and you're buried at the bottom of a hill called God's wrath. So just like the unchurched kid, how sin works in the life of the church kid is you have knowledge of God, But your desires are for your exterior to look good. You want to look good to everybody. Keep up appearances. And you live your life on a purely horizontal, arrogant, smug kind of attitude. And over the cliff you go. And and initially you think, I'm okay. But eventually you are under the same wrath of God. And church kids kind of tell themselves different things. You know? Like, I'll go to camp this summer, I guess. I'll do it. I'll give some money to The Rock, because that's going to be a really cool building. I'll do that too. And there's little deceiving things that church kids do that ultimately lead them away from Christ. So the big idea tonight is Just like on church kids, church kids fall into these snowballs. And these snowballs of sin lead to an avalanche of God's wrath. And they require the same incredible rescue of Jesus. So the bumper sticker tonight, or the thought I want you to think about is this. You might sit at the bottom of that hill under the wrath of God, avalanche of snow over you, and you think, I'm buried but I'm still arrogant. Can I pray for her real quick? Would that be okay? Okay, thank you. Lord, we pray over that girl. I don't know her name, but Lord, we pray that you would be gracious to her, that you would, Lord, help her to be okay or with whatever is going on with her body or her mind. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. So you might be buried at the bottom of the hill, but still arrogant. Dwight Moody said this, Dwight Moody said, God sends no one away except for those who are full of themselves. 
If you're a church kid, your tendency is to be a little full of yourself, and it's kind of off-putting to other people around you, and it's really off-putting to God. So we're going to look at three snowballs of sin that Paul identifies. Snowball number one is judgmentalism. Judgmentalism, verses one through three. Therefore, you have no excuse, O man. Every one of you who judges for in passing judgment on another, you condemn yourself because you judge and practice the very same things. We know that the judgment of God rightly falls on those who practice such things. Do you suppose, O man, you who judge and practice those things and do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Judgmentalism is kind of an outflow term for the word judges and judgment and judge. There's four times in that little section of scripture. And the word judgment is krino in the Greek, and it means to pronounce an opinion of what is right and wrong. So the church kid looks at the unchurched kid in Romans 1 and judges them. Okay, I think we got a picture of Judge Judy, don't we? Don't we have that? I think it's somewhere. Let's put that up. No, yes! Okay. Now leave it up. Leave it up. This is what some of you look like. (laughs) bonnet and everything just kidding but the church kid looks like judge judy i mean you looked at unchurched kids and you're like look at those sins i mean look how bad they are look at their words i mean they don't even use the right words look at them they they their activities their performance their dress i'm judging you i'm judging you and i'm judging you right this is the church kid I got judged today for a word that I said last night in my sermon. I got judged for one word. You know how good that felt? Like, hey, pastor, you know that one word you used? Yeah, that really offended me. You know? Like, I felt very judged. Didn't feel very good. But I was like, okay, whatever. I'll try to change by God's grace. But church kids, you look like Judge Judy. You look around and you're like, yeah, 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 this, this is wrong, this is wrong all the time. And here's the problem with that, because Paul says you condemn yourself because you practice the very same things. You're doing the very same things. Here's the problem with church kids. You can't look at Romans 1 people, pagans, and say, oh, they're so bad. I'm so glad I'm not like that. Because the moment you judge those folks, you condemn yourself because you're doing the exact same things. It only looks a little bit more churchy. Judgmentalism is harsh because it takes inventory of everybody else, but it doesn't take inventory of one's self. You're looking at everybody else except for you. Think about what Jesus said in Matthew 7, 3. Why do you see the speck that is in your brother's eye, but you don't notice the log that is in your own eye? Who says Jesus is not a comedian? Can I get an amen? Can I get a witness for this? This is Jesus' most funny analogy of all time. He's like, look, guys, if you're looking around at the speck in your brother's eye, and you're like, hey, dude, let me get that out. You got a two-by-four coming out of your own eye. That's funny. Because it's ridiculous. It looks ridiculous. 
And that's how we look as church kids when we're like, hey, dude, I need to change what's going on in your life. Meanwhile, don't worry about this little thing here. This is not a big deal. Don't worry about it. It's fine. But give me that speck out of your eye. It's hypocritical and it's judgmental. And this is the most shocking part of this first point. Paul says, do you suppose that you will also escape the judgment of God? If you're being judgmental and religious and leaning on your own righteousness, do you assume, and the word there is calculate, like a, like a calculator in your brain. Do you calculate that you will escape the judgment of God? Do you think that you can live this short little life that you've been given full of judgment on everybody else and you will escape God's judgment? Paul's obvious answer is no, you won't escape. So church kid, do you feel the weight of your judgmentalism? In Luke 18, Jesus told a story of the prodigal son. You guys know that story? I think we have a picture here. The, the story is about the prodigal son. You can see the prodigal son through the door. That's a nice robe, right? That, that's straight out of 1990 Sunday school material, isn't it? That's what I found on the internet. I'm like, well, it's from the 90s. It'll work. It'll work. But you can see the prodigal son. I don't think he looked that good when he came back because he was like eating with pigs and stuff. But he comes back. He gets all the love, man. All the, the fattened ox. He gets the party. Everybody's excited because the pagan has come home and God is like, yes, forgiveness is here. But an often forgotten about part of this story is the older son. The older son is just as important as the prodigal because his attitude stinks. He's got some stinking thinking. Can I get a witness? He's judgmental. He's looking at the situation and he's getting judgmental. He's like, why does, why does he get a cow? Dad, I didn't even get a goat, man. I didn't get a goat. <laughs> That's hilarious. You didn't get a goat? All right. But the older son, what's he doing? He's judging. I earned your love. Dad, I never even left. I never even rebelled. I didn't waste all your money. I didn't, do, I didn't ask for my inheritance early. Look at me. I'm angry in the corner. And the father says, son, what's mine is always yours. You're not understanding. Your brother was dead. Now he's alive. Your brother, is. this is a miracle of God's grace. And the older brother has his arms like this, and he's like, I'm judging. I'm angry. I'm bitter. Because that's what church kids do. They just, they just get angry about God's grace. How can God's grace go to that person? I'm way better than them. Jesus, when he tells this parable, he never brings closure to it. Never. We don't know what happened. But church kid, let me tell you, if you don't know Jesus, this is what you look like. <laughs> nice job. He wants his goat, man. 
So that's the first snowball of sin in a church kid's life is judgmentalism. Second snowball is hypocrisy. Hypocrisy, verse 17 through 23. But if you call yourself a Jew and rely on the law and boast in God, and you're sure that you yourself are a guide to the blind and light to the darkness, instructor of the foolish, teacher of children, if you teach others, do you not teach yourself? If you preach against stealing, do you steal? If you say that one must not commit adultery, do you commit adultery? You who abhor abhor idols, do you rob temples? Paul is getting after and he's saying, look, are you sure? If you're sure you're this way, if you're sure you're so religious and right with God, you better check yourself. Church kids have a very strong tendency towards a sense of religious security. But if that security is not based on Jesus' life, death, resurrection, and ascension, you're going to hell. And here's what I mean. Church kids are tempted to find their security in their parents, because normally they have stable parents, or their teachers or their coaches, or their knowledge of the Bible, or their better moral performance than someone else, or their pastor, or their amazing youth pastor. Can I get an amen, guys? Yeah. You look at your awesome youth pastor, and you say, yes, I'm good with God, right? Or your church, or your gifts, or your abilities. This is the air you breathe. But if your confidence is in these things, if you're sure of all these other things, to provide you a sense of security and Jesus Christ is not first in your life, in your soul. You might not be saved. So he says, do you teach yourself? If, do you teach everybody else doctrine, but you don't hold yourself accountable to that doctrine? What about stealing? I mean, you preach against stealing, don't steal, don't steal. Be good, don't steal. Except me, I'm going to go steal right now, right? Church kid, I'm going to steal. Nobody needs to know about it. I'll tell everybody don't steal, but I'll steal. Commit adultery. Be sexually pure. Sexual purity is so important. Be modest. You know, save yourself from marriage. Do all these things, but privately, you're addicted to lust and pornography and sexual sin of every kind. You preach against idolatry. Oh, those wicked pagans, they have all their idols, yet you have idols in your own house and in your heart. Paul is talking about spiritual hypocrisy that exists in the lives of church kids. And here's what I mean. I think I got a picture of the suburbs, right? Here's a picture of the suburbs, you know? I like to call this hypocrisy the American dream mindset. Look at all these beautiful suburb houses, right? Doesn't this look great? This is the life. This is the American dream. This is the American gospel that people are telling you all the time. Have a nice house and a nice car and a nice job and a nice family and do all these things. And in the midst of this American dream mindset, most church kids don't take sin seriously. They don't take the gospel seriously. They don't take God's word seriously because 
the American dream mindset, it gets in the way. All the money gets in the way of the gospel. You don't want to take God's word seriously. God's definitions of things, Jesus' word, Paul's word here. We don't need to take all those things literally. Because if we take God's word literally and the gospel literally, it gets in the way of all my money and all my entertainment and all my political correctness and all my wokeness and all my comfort and all my entertainment. All these things get in the way. And I'm telling you, church kid, this is not the gospel. Amen? This is not the gospel. The gospel is the gospel. Jesus Christ and your faith in Him, your faith in His Word is the gospel. You can take that down, Noah. Mark 6.46 says, Why do you call me Lord and do not do what I say? Have you ever read that verse before? The American dream mindset of church kids it leads to a lot of authoritative opinions about things, but not lots of humility. So this is the second ball, snowball. It's called hypocrisy. Church kid, I mean, how are you feeling? Judgmental, but now hypocritical? Saying one thing, living something different? Saying one thing, but, but deep in your heart, you know there's something way different going on in your life. And people would be shocked if they knew that you were truly not saved. They would be shocked. Because you'd have to show some humility and say, I think I'm trusting in the wrong things. So the third snowball is blasphemy. Verse 24. For it is written, the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you. If you're a church kid, your judgmentalism leads to hypocrisy, and your hypocrisy leads to the last snowball, the snowball of blasphemy. The name of God is blasphemed because of you. Paul is making a radical statement towards church people, towards Jewish backgrounded people, and he's saying, look, God's name is being blasphemed because of your life. The word blaspheme means to speak reproachfully or rail at or revile. When church people live judgmental and hypocritical lives, the world thinks God is a joke. When you fake your Christian life and you name the name of Jesus, but you don't authentically know this Jesus, the world looks at your life and says, what a joke. I don't know if there's a bigger need within our culture right now and right here for Christians to love Jesus authentically and stand on his grace. Amen? And we got too many church members and church kids and church people not living authentic lives. They would call us fake news. You know Donald Trump? I think we got a picture of him too. <laughs> okay. Okay. This is not a political statement. I just think Trump's hilarious. I think he's so funny. Okay? You are fake. No, you're fake news. You're fake news. Right? 
Like, that's hilarious. That's all for fun. But this is what the world says about us. When we name the name of Christ, but we don't know Christ. You can take, you can take Trump down. It's cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's good. It's good. Can there be a more wicked thing in the world than the name of our God, the God that we love, the God that we worship, the God that we preach about, for his name to be blasphemed among Gentiles when they're not around us and they say, you know, those Christians, they say one thing, but they live something different. And I don't believe in that Jesus at all because all the churchy people don't really seem to know him very well. There's a problem in the Old Testament too. Isaiah said, my name is continually being blasphemed among the Gentiles. The doctrine of God is to be adorned, not blasphemed. Titus says it this way in chapter 2, verse 10 of his letter. He says, we are to show all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. God is to be adorned with our lives. Young men, young women, God is to be adorned, not blasphemed. We need to live our lives in such a way that Jesus is the main thing. So you're sitting at the bottom of this mountain under the avalanche of God's wrath. The unchurched kid is on one side of the mountain. The church kid's on the other side of the mountain. Both of them have only minutes to live because they are under the wrath of Almighty God's. And the church kid is looking around thinking, this is not good, but I'm still arrogant and smug. Don't die arrogant and smug. Which brings us to our final point, Jesus to the rescue, just like last night. Verse 4, do you not know that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance? Paul is pleading with the religious church kid and saying, it's the kindness of God. It's the kindness of God that is meant to lead you to authentic repentance. The church kid needs a dramatic rescue from Jesus. Jesus will have to dig through the mountains of snow and the, the feet and feet and feet of snow to come and find not only the unchurched kid on one side, but the church kid as well. All people are under sin. All people are guilty before God. And all people need the great rescue of Jesus Christ, especially churched kids. So this is your invitation, church kid. Jesus came to seek and to save that which is lost. Have you been arrogant? Have you been judgmental? Do you have a false sense of security tonight? If you were to die tonight, church kid, are you 100% confident you'd be going to heaven? Because it's better to cry out for a rescue, right? than it is to die arrogant and smug with nobody knowing what's going on on the inside. It's time to go all in with Jesus tonight. Church kid, it's time to call out for your rescue. Let's pray.
Father, we thank you for your word. Thank you for Romans 2. God, thank you that you love church kids. You do. Lord, you don't want one church kid in this house to live out a lie and to die without the saving grace of Jesus Christ. So Lord, I pray for every church kid in here who knows deep down that they're not saved. They know deep down that they've not trusted in Christ fully and finally. I pray for every church kid who is is wandering around in an arrogant, smug world. Oh God, would you break them of their sin. And Lord, may they not care who knows that they're not saved. May they just come to Christ and experience His grace and His forgiveness. Because Lord, You love unchurched kids and You love church kids. So God, we pray that You might rescue a few tonight for Your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.